Welcome to this IMCA podcast. I'm Andrea Burnley, Head of Marketing and Communications, and today I'm delighted to be joined by the Chair of IMCA's Environmental Sustainability Committee, Peter Debray, and Nadine Robinson, Technical Advisor for Environmental Sustainability. Our subject today is IMCA's newly released Recommended Code of Practice on Environmental Sustainability. Our members told us through their responses to our biennial survey that environmental sustainability matters to them. In fact, four and five members felt that environmental sustainability and the energy transition was critical or very important to IMCA's strategy. A similar number noted that their clients were increasingly using environmental sustainability criteria in evaluating contractors and suppliers. This is quite timely, as in recent months, our members have come together and put on paper some of the key environmental issues facing the offshore marine construction industry. And our new code covers the major environmental topics that matter to our members. I hope you might take time to grab a coffee, sit back and listen to this short podcast. Firstly, let's hear from Peter who's Director of Strategy and Technology at Herrimer Marine Contractors and is Chair of IMCA's Environmental Sustainability Committee. Peter. Yeah, thank you, uh, Andrea. Um, I'm excited uh, to be introducing this podcast on environmental sustainability uh, following the release of our new recommended code of practice. Um, environment and climate change are extremely important for many industries around the globe. And this is particularly true for our sector, the offshore marine contracting industry. Uh, but before we start, I would like to recognize the expertise and work of the many experts on environment and sustainability across IMCA's membership, who offered their time and knowledge over the past seven months to develop this publication. And to quote Winston Churchill, if we are together, nothing is impossible. If we are divided, all will fail. Environmental sustainability and decarbonization are shared challenges that we all face. Uh, the sum is greater than the individual parts here. And this code is a very good example um, of how we as an industry can come together and take steps to address this challenge. Thank you, Peter. So Nadine, as IMCA's environmental advisor, it's great to have you here today and to be talking about environmental sustainability. Can we begin by telling our podcast listeners why IMCA decided to produce this recommended code of practice on environmental sustainability? What was the driving force behind the code and how did it come about? Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Peter. I joined IMCA just over a year ago to help advance its work on environmental sustainability. In my first few months, I spoke with many members to learn more about what they were doing to improve their environmental performance. I also wanted to identify areas where our members were finding cha challenging and also where we could, IMCA could support them further. I was struck by the fact that many of our members were working their way through similar issues, often learning by doing. Many had embedded environmental sustainability into their business strategies. I felt there's a good story to tell here and one, one that could be told by the members themselves, for it is their story. I also discovered, as I suspected, that there was not one single approach to environmental sustainability. Increasingly, our members have dedicated environmental specialists, whereas previously this may have been one of the functions of a QHSE manager. This speaks to the focus they have on this area today. The point is reinforced by the findings of our membership survey, which you mentioned at the beginning. 
I would also like to add that in recent years, we have witnessed a growing focus on environmental and climate related matters, not only from regulators, but also from the public and investors. That was a further driver for making the code. The other thing I found in my discussions with our membership is that there was a wealth of experience and good practices residing in our members. This was not being communicated widely. We needed some overarching umbrella document to bring this together. We could benefit from a document, document which features the most significant environmental and climate topics for our sector, which can help draw attention to these issues and also provide some resources for improving environmental performance. So I brought this idea to IMCA CEO Alan Liet and to its Environmental Sustainability Committee and to the board, and it was agreed we should do it. That is how the idea for the recommended code came about. The Environmental Sustainability Committee fully embraced the code, and in November last year, we formed a work group under it to take this work forward. In fact, in producing the code, the members have really coalesced and are enthusiastic now about putting the code into practice. This is one of the benefits of IMCA, of being able to bring together different companies across the globe who share common goals and can learn from each other. Working together, as Peter said, we can better improve environmental performance of the industry as a whole. I would also like to point out that the board of IMCA has been extremely supportive during this process and kept up to date with our progress along the way. Thanks, Nadine. Could I just pick up on something that you said? And that was that when you were talking to members, you found that was not one common approach to environmental sustainability. Is that what this new recommended code of practice offers? If not, do we need one? After all, isn't standardisation one of IMCA's strengths? Thanks, Andrea. We have over 700 different members operating in 60 countries worldwide, everything from leading global contractors to suppliers. With diversity, one size does not fit all. That said, we were able to identify some key areas where our industry can and has been focusing. Obvious areas are on emissions reduction and energy management. It also includes looking at environmental impacts and how we engage with our supply chain. In the code, we also cover monitoring and reporting. This is so we can see how both individually and collectively as an industry, we are making progress. These all need to be tackled from across the industry. We wanted to make the code as flexible or flexible enough so that it would fit with the diversity of our membership and the different stages in their environmental sustainability journey. At the same time, we wanted to outline the direction of travel and set some level of ambition and the expectations on our sector as a whole. I think that materiality is an important concept to consider when thinking about common approaches. We can't do everything and we do need to focus. Materiality assessments can help identify the key issues for stakeholders and to determine their impact on an individual business. I also found in speaking to our members that there were limited bespoke or tailored materials for our industry on environmental sustainability. We had one well-received guidance document on environmental indicators that was often cited in members' reports. It now needs revising in light of the developments in non-financial reporting. We felt that a wider framing piece was needed. This is the code. We also saw a lack of consistency in um, the approach to reporting. It's not comparable, although some of our members do make use of international standards and frameworks, which helps to benchmark across industry. If we do want to benchmark, we will need an apples to apples comparison, and that is done through the use of common standards. This also needs to be aligned with regulatory requirements and consider how forthcoming regulation and regulatory developments may have an impact. 
A core set of indicators might be a natural next step, but that will first require analysis of what is being asked of members by their clients and other stakeholders, and considering where there are commonalities in indicator use so far. There's a good piece of research here. In fact, having done the code, I think there's a full program of work for our Environmental Sustainability Committee for years to come. This is not going away and will be important to our long-term value creation as an industry. The committee is also updating its strategic roadmap to ensure we are prioritizing our efforts where it is needed most. Thanks, Nadine. I think that gives our listeners a really good overview of the code and why it came about. So I'd just like to remind people that anyone can access the code uh, via our website and we look forward mo to moving on with it. I'd just like to thank both uh, Nadine and Peter for their time today in recording this podcast. Thank you very much.